Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we talk to leaders on how they grow their revenue and how they grow their people. And today, I have the privilege of having uh, Rob Chavez here with me today. He's the Chief Visionary Officer of the Casa Companies. And Rob, probably a CEO has three really important tasks to do. We're going to delve into those just in a moment. But welcome to the program. And what made you pick the title Chief Visionary Officer? I appreciate uh, you having me on, Umar. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I think um, leadership requires vision, and uh, and I I I love painting a vision in my mind as to what's possible. Early on in in my life, I read the book Psycho Cybernetics when I was yes. in high school, and uh, uh, and that served me well. Right, I was a, a, a an athlete in high school, an athlete in college, and um, and I remember thinking. Uh, you know, if I can train in my mind as much as I can train in real life, I, life. I, I can be effective there. Brilliant. So in my worldview, a true leader has three main jobs. The first one is to have a kick-ass, amazing vision that other people go, you know what? I take a bullet for that. Mm-hmm. And there's some research that has been done when you take a look at people that work uh, nine to five, people that are managers and people that are like true leaders. It turns out that people that are nine to five hourly workers Typically, they can't see past Friday. They mm-hmm. see to the next paycheck. And when you have managers, you know some of them, depending where they are, can see maybe three months out. And mm-hmm. when you have true leaders, they can see years out into the future. And that's one of the reasons they've reached that rank. So for a CEO, having the ability to have a vision that's compelling is job number one. Mm-hmm. Job number two, which is uh, more challenging, is how do you build a culture within the organization where it isn't about people being selfish or protective? It's about how do we win and not how do I win? Mm-hmm. And then the third one is how do you build long-term shareholder value? How do you make that company more valuable? Let's delve into part two. You've got different companies. Pick one of the companies and what kind of culture do you want and how close are you to getting it? And what did you do to you know, manifest it? Because you know, just thinking about a culture and putting it on the wall isn't enough. It's how do you imprint it in the hearts of the people that follow you? Mm-hmm. So really, there's there's one main company, Umar, mm-hmm. and then there's lots of little little businesses underneath that main company. Nice. And and the way I look at it is that we um, empower entrepreneurs, right? Like I love the spirit of the entrepreneur. Yes. And so as I started thinking about building this business, I knew that I wanted to associate myself with people that were builders. And that they dreamt that they had big dreams. And so we wanted to be able to create a world where they could live a big life within our world. Yes. And so like in terms of culture, I wanted to make sure that 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 was part of it, that as big as somebody could envision their life, they could live that world within our world. Right. Right. So that was number one, which meant that I had to build a big world for myself. I had to think, right. 
really big and say, okay, what does this look like at scale? If I was within the organization, what would I, what would I want, right? How big could I actually get? And so, um, so we needed to make sure that we did that. And then we wanted to make sure that we're always, we call a forward culture. Like, and this took some time to kind of develop. I started thinking Mm -hmm. of core values that meant a lot to me. And we said, well, you know, we want to be family first, that family is important, uh, especially, um, you know, culturally, it's, it's an important piece of my life. And then, um, you know, we want to own our outcomes. So forward is an acronym, right? So forward is family first, you know, own it, raving fan service. So we wanted to make sure that we were creating raving fan service. Nice. We believe in working hard, right? So work hard, always be learning. So I find that, you know, learners that's are my highest, learners. That's my highest value, learning new things. Mine too, mine too, right? And uh, then results matter. You've got to be results oriented yes. in, in, in this. And then and then do the right thing, culture. And we said, okay, well, we, we are a forward culture. We're going to always be failing forward. We're entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial in nature. And, uh, you know, we want to own our results. We want to create raving fans. We want to work hard, We you know, and we want to do the right thing. And so... We just kind of built that into our ethos, and that's been the drum that we've been, you know, Downing. kind of beating for the last. Yep. So let me pull back a little bit. Uh, so the first thing you said was, you know, you wanted a place where people could come and have this big vision and grow into it. And to do that, you had to have a bigger vision so people could figure out where they fit in. So you've got some people that are like uh, growing like crazy and really living up to that fully, and there are other people that kind of settle for. A smaller vision, probably bigger than it would have been if they went somewhere else. So how do all the jigsaw pieces fit together where you don't discourage some people? And uh, so how do you balance that? How do people fit into the culture in a way that whatever vision they have, they get to do, but you also get to encourage them to be larger? So it seems like a moving target. Could you delve into that a little bit more? Well, you know, I think of, I, I just, I think of, like when you went to elementary school mm-hmm. and you went to middle school and you went to high school and then you went to college and you got your master, like there was this growth journey that occurred for you. And we've created that same growth journey within our organization. So depending on where you want to go, there's different levels and different steps and different opportunities that you can reach. But we make it okay to, to let people know like, hey, it's totally fine to, to be where you are right? You don't need to do this other thing. But for those that want that other thing, this, this path exists, right? Nice. And, and, I, and I do believe that people want to be pushed. At the end of the day, they want, um, they want to be surrounded by people that are going to push them, right? And like you said, maybe they would push themselves a little bit further than they normally would, right? Just by being in our environment. And that's, yeah. that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. One of the things that leaders do, uh, at least this is my hypothesis, is sometimes you're leading people and their trust in themselves only goes so far and they leverage your trust in them and believe in that that allows them to suspend the fear and go on the journey. Can you think of a specific example or a specific person? Don't mention the name of the person, but the reason I want specifics is you'll go, oh yeah, I know someone. This is what was going on. And because I believed in them, it allowed them to go on the journey. And do you have one of those stories you could share with us? Um, yeah, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's important that people can see what the future looks like for them. Yeah. If they, they stick to a certain path. So sometimes they come into the environment. I'm thinking of one person 
in particular. And uh, when they're in that environment, they can see a bigger future for themselves, right? Yeah. And so it pulls them through. You just have to trust them and then and then let them know that, you know, the journey is not an easy journey. Like the journey is difficult and and that's what makes it so good, right? Like having difficulty in the journey is where you get all this internal satisfaction from. And so um, I think every leader that's come into our organization has had one place of where they kind of saw themselves. Yes. Then when they, when they came into the organization, they saw that other people were doing things that that were way past that. And they said, you know what? If that person could do it, I can do it, right? And we make sure that we tell those stories. It's almost like, you know, telling stories is an important piece of, of, of culture and, and letting people know where somebody started and where they are today is an important piece in that, right? Um, you know, there's one leader in particular that comes to mind. It's been with me for about 12 years. And man, he is just... Like he I just unleashed the power, right? I love it. Um, but, but he, you know, he had a big vision for his life, but it was kind of all over the place. You know, have you, have you ever met somebody who's, they've got really big vision. They, they have a, they have an, they know that they could be great, but their brain is firing in a thousand different directions. Oh, yeah. Right. And so my job was just to kind of like, just narrow focus that up. focus a yeah. little bit. And, and once that laser was focused, <sighs> It's just like rocket fuel, right? And um, a lot of that had to do with just him seeing that there was a path in this direction that was worth going after. So the underlying currency of what you just described is trust. His trust in you allowed him to let you focus where he was going. So talk to me about trust. A new manager coming in or a new team leader in real estate, they were good at what they were doing. Now, all of a sudden, they're in a leadership role. What are three things you'd get them to do in order to start building trust so they can lead their people in the right direction? You know, uh, let's see if I can remember this. This is something that last year when I was on this road trip, I started thinking deeply about this question, right? I call it like wise leadership, right? Yes. And uh, wise leadership being like you've you've got to write down, um, especially for the people around you, you have to be able to write down uh, what you want success to look like for this particular person, right? Yes. So write down those things so that people understand what the rules of the road are. Trust is broken when you have an idea of, of what you want. They have a different idea and and you guys are, are on two different wavelengths almost. So if you write this down and you guys agree on what this looks like, what success looks like, that is a great foundation to start off, Right. And then what, what happens is that you have to inspect and review like this ever, ever so often, not because you want to micromanage anybody because not a fan of that, but you need to make sure that as a leader, that you're helping them accomplish their goals in this process. And if they had signed up for whatever it was that they were set out to do, whether it's sales or what, whether it's you know, a, a leadership role, they, they need to make sure that somebody is kind of looking at that and, and course correcting. A little bit, right? Yeah, pause right there before you go to the next one, if I can interrupt. Yeah. Uh, so part of leadership really is setting expectations. And mm-hmm. certainly what you described in the first step was, you know, together, let's figure out what your vision looks like. And then part of the expectations are, as a leader, 
guiding them that we're going to work together to make sure you stay on track because the reality is life gets in the way. And if we frame it up properly and set the expectations, then it's a really valued, important part of the experience as opposed to, oh, my boss is checking up on me. Because if we Mm -hmm. let our people build their own frames, they get up to mischief and they misread the situation. So a part of leadership is really setting expectations, but also how are we going to work together? That expectation as well can really mean the difference between success and failure. Mm -hmm. So what Mm -hmm. is the third piece, do you think? Sure. I would say you need to support them with the tools and the resources, right? To help them be successful in that endeavor. So there, there's going to be things that they're going to need, whether it's training, whether it's tools, whether it's knowledge, and they, and you need to pour into them to help them in that process. And then talent wants to get engaged, right? They want to be engaged consistently over a period of time. They want to be pushed. So wise, it's like write down, write down those expectations that both sides have, right? Uh, inspect what it is that uh, both of you have agreed on, support them with the resources, tools, and then engage talent, right? Yes. Engage them, push them. And when you can, and by the way, what I find that trust is broken is when you stop doing one of those things, when you stop being consistent in that process, Yeah. when, when you yourself as a leader are not showing up for the leader, um, that's important. And when you're not having open dialogue about miscommunication, because people filter information differently. I, this is what I've realized. I might say to you, Umar, I want a blue, you know, I want this to look blue. Yes. And your version of blue can be different than my version of blue. Almost right? certainly. And so we have to have this open dialogue about what blue actually means, right? Get the Pantone color book out. And we both agree this is what it means. Absolutely. This is what, this is what it means, right? And so what, and if you don't do that, then what happens is one leader could say, well, I wanted it blue. And he's like, I, I gave it to I gave you. you blue. Like, what are you, what are you talking and, about? Make right. up your mind. And then, and then you, and then there's this disconnect between these, these two, because you didn't have a real, a real conversation about that, right? Yeah, I think leadership can be a beautiful partnership. And there's going to be times when if you're leading me, Rob, it's like uh, that I am going to be disappointed in you, rightly or wrongly. But we need to have this relationship where if you value this relationship, it's your responsibility to bring it up to me. Because sometimes you're going to be right and sometimes you're not going to be right and vice versa. And sometimes we let politeness get in the way of the truth. And if you've got the right intent and it's like, how do we both do well together? Then we owe it to ourselves to do that. In most organizations, it's like, well, I don't want to be seen as like uh, the squeaky wheel or he's going to think I don't know what I'm doing and all that kind of. So people need drama. It's what we thrive on. And it's either we let people create their own drama or you as the leader give them a story. And you were talking about stories are so important. They're hot wired in our DNA is that we need to kind of provide that drama that points everybody in the right direction. And they know. So this is one of the theories that I work on is in order to have a highly effective organization, people need to trust in themselves. They need to trust in the leader and they need to trust in the processes. And if we can do that, and there's a level of open communications, then you become a lot faster than your competition. Because even if you make a mistake, you get corrected really quickly. And speed is a strategic advantage in the world we live in. Thoughts on that uh, hypothesis? 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier, and it's you, you use the word intent. And yes. I use that often within, I, I, when somebody's bringing something, something to me, I'm always like, what's the intent? Like, what is this person's spirit in this? Yes. What is their intent? Right. Cause sometimes people don't have the right words to communicate what they, what they really want to communicate. Right. And so it's, it's about this understanding that if, if you guys are in this to win it, right. And if the intent is to move forward in a constructive way, using healthy dialogue, right. Yes. And uncovering what people mean and deciphering what's blue and what's not blue. Right. And triangulate, you know, truth, like Ray Dalio talks about, like triangulating truth, right? Yes. Then, then, uh, yes, you can move things forward in a positive manner, right? But it, it, it and it requires healthy dialogue in order yes. to do that. Like, um, and, and so everybody has to be okay with setting the stage and the rules that it's okay to have this healthy di dialogue as long as the intent is in the right place, right? So something that kind of sparks out of that, and thank you for sharing that, is, uh, you know, the one thing I've never asked anybody ever in the history of my life, hmm. what is your intent in hmm. asking that question? And I hmm. think that's missing out of what I'm doing, because sometimes people come to something and they've got frustration, and when they go to communicate, it comes across badly. And I mm -hmm. think one of the finest instruments we have is our body in sensing when there's a disconnect. So they look angry, mm -hmm. but I'm not feeling that, like, not the malintent isn't there. And sometimes I think if we ask that question, I can see you're frustrated, but what's your intent in asking that question? And it's like, I feel stupid because I don't get this. And what mm -hmm. we're perceiving is, you think I'm an idiot. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think intent is so important because we've been talking about everything kind of looking inward in our organizations. It's when we go externally to our customers that our intent is so important there as well. Because if they oh, really get a right. sense of, you know, this person here is trying to help me get the most value mm -hmm. for my money to buy a house or the highest value for my house. If they really get that, then they follow the advice. If it's just like, oh, it's a sales guy. He's in it for himself, which may not be what we want, but how do we communicate that intent? And the first step is to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Is the, is the come from a plate like, so you need to check what your intent is in yes. that sales process. That's very important, right? Like what's your intent? We, you know, I always tell everybody on my team, your job is to make a friend. That's your job, right? Your high job five. is to right, give you a high five right now. Yeah. Your job is to make a friend, right? And, and during this process, what you want to do is you want to guide this friend to the most favorable outcome. And, and if you can come from that spirit of friendship and come from that spirit of, of being a teacher in this process, like selling the, like is easy at that point. It's not, it's not yes. even selling. It's like, it's just like, I, you're just helping. helping. Yeah, it's, it's helping. helping. <laughs> it's helping. And, you know, many years ago, you, you've been in the sales game for some time. Do you, do you familiar with Guru Ganesh, right? Oh, yeah. Sales I, I've, got a picture, I've got a picture with him. Okay. In my so, here's a, so 20 years ago, I think I took... Uh, it might've been 20 years ago. I was like, like I, I went, I deep dove into Sandler and spin selling and, and, and all the rest. And there was yes. another one, like how to sell to CEOs. Right. Right. And there, there, I forget the selling name of the channel. Selling the, I remember selling the veto. Right. But there was selling to CEOs. And one of the things I remember from this one particular was if you, if you feel it, if you sense it, find a way to bring it out and say, it, right. Yeah. And, and, and like bring that out. Hey, 
Umar, I feel that that for whatever reason right now there's that like I, I said something that didn't re- like it didn't resonate well with you. Can we let's let's explore that a little bit and bringing those conversations to the forefront so important as a leader, as a salesperson, as a husband, as a wife, right? Like absolutely, and I think we kind of go full circle because in that conversation, if we don't have trust established, I can't ask that question. I could ask mm-hmm. it, but I'm not going to get a really good answer. But if we have that intent right, we build that trust right, then we pick up a vibe, then it's perfectly fine. It's like, you know, hey, Rob, I'm getting a, a sense that you know there's a, an unanswered question. Am I picking it up right? Yeah. So I was going to say, so let's go back to the trust piece because I, uh, I might have skipped over this piece, right? We always say calibrate, educate, facilitate. So calibration is just asking lots of open-ended questions yes. to learn about the other side to, to real and that develops trust, right? When people feel heard and Hallelujah. loved for sure. Right. And, uh, and, um, that their input is valued and it's acknowledged and it's not fought and it's validated. That, that's the only time you can ever move somebody is when they actually feel like they've been understood. Yes. Right. And even when you don't want to be understood, when they have like a, a criminal is grabbing someone, survival is connecting with their humanity. You know, I got three kids. Do you have any kids? And it's like, well, yeah, I got, I got a couple. As soon as you build that bridge, even though it's a, literally a life or death situation, you save your life when you do that. And of course, mm-hmm. sales is not a life-threatening thing and certainly relationships are not. So it's the fundamentals of being human, right? It's me respecting that human being on the other side me building a bridge from here to there. And in doing that, we're going to get to the truth faster. And that truth is either going to lead us to do business or not, but we're still going to part friends and we're going to have that relationship that will come around later on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so brilliant. So tell me about a time, Rob, where you found yourself not having trust. Things were going either, it was somebody leading you where you realized, wait a minute, this is the missing element. I don't trust them for whatever reason. And did you figure out whether it was a, a you issue or a them issue or a communication issue? Let me reflect on this a little bit. I, 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 um, I think my biggest is if somebody says that they're going to do something, mm-hmm. did they actually do it or not? Right? Yes. And so over time, like trust happens over time. Over an extended course, period absolutely. of time, right? Like where somebody's consistently going to show up the way that you hope for them to show up. Can somebody miss a day or could there be, you know, they drop the ball one time? Mm-hmm. Yes. We're all human, right? But over time, an extended period of time, like how, how do they show up? Um, and so the reason why I have a hard time with that is is I, I don't spend time, <laughs> a lot of time with people that like, like I know right off the bat, okay, like that that isn't going to go in the direction, and, right? And I don't dwell on it. Does that make sense? Like I don't, I don't, it does, yeah. I never even reflect on it. I'm just like, okay, well, okay, I just put them in that category over there and just keep moving forward. Um, I don't, I haven't, I haven't experienced. Yeah, I'll something articulate like that. something from my side. I can't think of a specific example, but sometimes I have made a judgment about the person that I'm interacting with. And when you make a judgment, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And sometimes the judgment is not a correct judgment. Mm. And sometimes I catch myself like, what's the disconnect here? And then it's like, oh, it's not a them issue, it's a me issue. 
when I first met them, I had this box I put them in and they actually don't belong there. They belong somewhere else. And so what I use is very much this instrument, this body. Like if I'm interacting with someone and I get an uncomfortable feeling, I have to kind of ask myself, is this, uh, am I feeling it or are they? And if I'm feeling it, what's causing it? And uh, just by noticing that and asking the question, and not in the middle of the conversation, hold on for a minute, Rob, do you feeling? What's causing it? Just go to internal check and say, oh, I think we're not on the same wavelength. Then I'll go and ask the question. It's like, hey, Rob, I think we're like not on the same wavelength. This is kind of what I'm seeing. Uh, are we on the same way? And then we figure it out. So I think... Uh, yeah, you have to. You have. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be careful with that uh, a little bit. Only from the perspective of like, there are people that you run across in your life that have wounded and hurt you that might look a certain way or yes. have said a certain thing, and like these unconscious triggers can occur, which could create this uneasiness, right? And then you could. So it, you you do have to kind of reflect and be like, what what was that, right? Um, and. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is I've always just seen what have people done over the long term in their yep. life? You know, um, you started the conversation asking a question about, or maybe when we, you and I were talking off air beforehand, like what is it that I look for in in people? You know, that that are leaders or future leaders, yes. people that are going to grow, right? And one of the key things I look look at is well, what what have been some of these patterns in their life? Uh, so that I can understand. I, I I truly believe that people can change, right? I, I, yes, I do. Absolutely. And, and I also know that I'm not in that, that I've had to learn that I'm not in the business of building that person. I'm in the business of unlocking the potential that's already there, right? Um, I look for the, the people that have this documented success pattern already established over an extended period of time because that's what i need within the sales organization right uh because if you're not careful otherwise it could be therapy as opposed to oh yeah you know, absolutely right. and so so i look for that um you know that's why I, many times i look for people that have you know let's say they were eagle scouts when they were younger or they played sports when they were younger and, and they were they saw this pattern of success in their life or they instruments or in the theater or something where they had to learn how to become good at something over an extended period of time not one year but five years or a decade right once they once i know that they've developed that pattern they've learned how to learn and they've learned this incremental of like you know, uh, learn something, fail, fix it, succeed, fail again, like this failing forward oh, yeah. pattern. And I would think that'd be, that's one of the biggest traits I look for in people. Brilliant. Right. So Rob, a few questions before we part company today. Sure. Uh, first one is what makes you happy? Cup of coffee with the sun shining in my face, being next to my wife, the dog, nature, like si simple things make me happy. Right. Brilliant. Um, I've learned that it's uh, moments and people uh, relationships uh, and it's the simple things that, that truly make me happy. Um, and then uh, I love to learn and I love to push myself and grow. And that makes me happy. It's one of my values, right? Like if I'm not constantly learning and implementing, um, well, I, I don't know what that feels like because I'm always constantly like, I just know that doing that brings joy to my life, right? Brilliant. 
What's one mind hack you would share with our viewers and our listeners that uh, they could implement that would allow them to be more productive, more successful, happier? What's that one thing you'd like to share? I would think it's uh, know that people have walked the path before you and that you could literally cut five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years off your life by by sitting next to or being partner with or seeking information from people that have already walked that path. You yes. can get there a lot faster. I think people are always trying to connect. The, they're trying to do it themselves. And I think that um, that's slow, right? I, it, it's, it's a slow process. You can get there, but I think it's slow. I think modeling is the fastest way to, to, to hack. Absolutely. And I think a lot of uh, companies that franchise – the franchisees that uh, do the best are the ones that follow the system to the letter. Mm-hmm. And the ones that struggle mm-hmm. are, are the smart ones that are trying to say, oh, this is the best way. I got a better way. So yeah, mm-hmm. find somebody who's done it, walk their path. And last but not least, what's the next area of learning for you? Where's Rob 4.0, whatever Rob that is? What are you th- yeah, it's, striving for? It's le- yeah, it's, it's a leadership game, right? As we, as we continue to expand and grow our businesses... Um, I realized that the business only will only rise to the level of the leaders that are there. So I realized that for us to be a leadership development business, that I have to develop myself as a leader. And, um, and so that, that, that is the journey, right? The first part of my life was the sales and marketing journey, self-leadership, right? And, and now it's like, okay, how do we really make this really big? And I think the only way we could do this is by personally growing as a leader. And, and if I want to hack that, like, you know, is by mentoring with people that are already amazing doing leaders, that. right? And, and, and doing that right at a really high level. So that, that is, that's my journey moving forward. Superb. Rob, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's like 31 minutes went by like that. Umar, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 